everybody, my Zard Xer. Back at it again to give y'all another exciting podcast episode. That being my Zardcast episode 51. Came right off the hills of my episode 50. It was crazy to think that I would actually manage to hit that far, at least in my podcast series, though. Now I'm 51, and now we're kind of past the opening parts of starting our year off for 2023, so the January stuff is kind of slow. We're a good chunk of the way in February, I guess technically now the halfway point in February, so now the news started coming in and started flowing in. I heard about, you know, we had like Nintendo Directs and stuff like that. We came off of the whole thing with the Super Bowl and whatnot, though. A lot of the different other gaming news in there. And then including, I think, some breaking news that happened to break out earlier, um, not too long ago. And I'm going to have to go ahead and cover that as well, though. So a lot of stuff to sit down and discuss. <laughs> And it's going to be pretty meaty, so we might as well go ahead and jump straight up into it, though. So uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump straight up into that pop culture segment. All right, so first I want to talk about, at least in our pop culture stuff, Netflix. Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. Y'all need the fictional mess. I, 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 I'm done playing around with y'all. Literally, we, we always know that Netflix is trying to do like the whole thing with it, it's crazy how they kind of led the streaming series kind of, you know, related stuff with subscription based services. And even in one of their tweets, they were like, hey, you know what? It is perfectly all right to share your password. I remember that it's like one of their tweets or whatnot, though. And everybody always brings that back up into the limelight. But they're trying to crack down on this to the point where, hey, if you're not within the same household as whoever owns the account is, if you're trying to share passwords or whatnot, though, it could potentially bang you off of Netflix until, you know, you basically get your own account or whatnot, though. But you wouldn't necessarily have access to get into the other person's account unless you happen to be back in their home Wi-Fi thing. I don't know. That just doesn't really sit well with me, considering how a lot of other um streaming sites such as like disney plus for example or even hulu or something like that literally you're able to share your password with whoever you want and you can watch it with you know maybe at a certain limit of how many other simulcast streams can happen at the same time maybe three or four at the same time at max that makes sense but the fact that you're not able to share your passwords whatnot that it's even inconvenient for people that might have to travel a lot literally you have to send like what specialized codes for them to be able to work outside of your home wi-fi network and then even then it's like hey you got us you know log back in every 30 days or something like that i don't know that just i don't know that just rubs me the wrong way and honestly i'm i just i'm just not a fan of it i'm honestly not really a fan of it at all so i'm like i don't know netflix y'all weird right now y'all just really weird so y'all need to i don't know y'all need to tweet some things i don't know but yeah, and it's funny how, you know, we got a hold of all that policy stuff and then Netflix really quickly backpedal and say, you know what? Oh no, that, that accidentally got out there early. Um, this is not in effect right now, even though they're kind of doing it in other places outside of the US or whatnot though. So I don't know, it'll be something to kind of keep our eyes on in the next upcoming couple or a few months and see exactly how Netflix is doing. Cause uh, shoot, they might be losing a lot of subscribers here, uh, here fairly soon. So, I mean, like, you know what? I'm like, shoot they'll have it coming they'll have it coming though but yeah that's basically all i have to say on that little netflix story right there next up i wanted to bring this into the limelight as well apparently disney had their 100 
anniversary year anniversary and i'm like dang disney really a hundred years old already and i was like what the actual freak like that that's kind of interesting the fact that disney has been around that long and uh and i i wasn't gonna this is more like quick news or whatnot though i wasn't gonna like elaborate on it too much i mean disney just another year older but the fact that it's 100 years it was just kind of special though but um uh, some some of my favorite disney movies i think have to have been lion king hercules hercules is a good one i'm just purely thinking disney or whatnot though those are just a couple that come to mind lilo and stitch you know that kind of hit with my childhood whatnot though obviously we know disney to acquire a lot of different things like espn they own hulu um the marvel series and whatnot though as well as just star wars and all of that like you know national geographic they managed to get their hands on a lot of different things over the course of several years or whatnot though them being like a media giant right now though but you know at, at its core at the end of the day and i know people kind of feel a little bit mixed and whatnot though about some of the more recent things or remakes about some of these um classic disney movies or whatnot though at the end of the day they made some really good stories throughout the course of history though so i, I just want to give some nods and some props at least where it's due um so disney y'all did good on some things y'all can do better on some other things though but overall i i, I appreciate you know the childhood you gave me and everything like that so uh here's hoping we get some other cool announcements and projects and whatnot here in the foreseeable future though but yeah that's all i want to say on that all right now let's get into one of the biggest meat and potatoes at least in this pop culture segment uh the super bowl 57 now this one was obviously between the eagles and the chiefs the eagles was literally my dad's team so that was the one i was rooting for um versus the chiefs and whatnot i felt like the eagles had a pretty good shoeing of being able to win and pull this one off but man at my work they literally had a thing where it's like hey guess what score it will be based upon the last digit of the scores so i was thinking maybe this will be like a 28 to 24 game and then lo and behold eagles score out and they're opening possession i was like oh shoot you know i probably should have raised that thing up. i really should have i was kind of close but I, I didn't win that prize or whatnot though but uh i guess it's weird because at least with the super world one i had a good time you know family through a party thing to get together whatnot though so i had a pretty good time and whatnot though um commercials commercials really wasn't there this year there was a couple of them i was like huh that was kind of nice or whatnot though but i don't know i felt like in the past like five maybe six years they hadn't really had any great commercials i definitely know none since like what was it covid and maybe a year or two before that no we hadn't had any good commercials since then so maybe we can step that game up or maybe you know commercials will just never be you know that good again i don't know but my only major kick about this game was when it came down to the very end and the the score was all tied up i think it was like what 35 all on both sides of the teams and um the chiefs had the ball they just had to get the the ball down the field and at least kick a field goal or whatnot to basically get the lead or whatnot though but that one call that the ref said whenever um one of the ingle defenders was defending the dude the ball was uncatchable out of the corner of the end zone though but they were saying that that, that dude was holding him and i'm like are you kidding me literally everywhere on twitter that was blowing up there was like the, the national football league was um trending on twitter as well as like the refs that was trending i was like oh my gosh i was like you're literally gonna let that game be decided by one call like that i'm like even when you're watching a basketball game or whatnot though 
they will literally not blow that whistle if it's like in the last like 20 ish seconds, unless it's just a blatantly obvious call. They'll let those boys play as if like it's street ball or whatnot, though. You know, you just earn your street cred. But I, I just didn't like that whenever they did that. So I was like, ugh. I don't know. That that was just very unfortunate, though. So I was like, man, I, I just don't know. Ugh, good gracious. But yeah, so I think that was basically my main tidbits for the Super Bowl itself, though. A little sad the Eagles didn't win. Chiefs managed to pull it out with that. But I don't know. Here's hoping. But may, I don't know. Maybe Eagles will somehow make it back here. And so that way uh, they can they could probably win one again, though. But uh, yeah, so that was it in terms of the Super Bowl itself. Now, in terms of that halftime show, though, um, performed by Rihanna, I was like, honestly, I felt like every single halftime show for like the past five or six years or something like that, they've been all pretty good. I was like, you know what? It's been all right. Like what? We had Bruno Mars. We had Beyonce. Um, shoot, I'm trying to think. Um. There, there's a few more they're just slipping my head right now but we had some really good ones i know last year was like a throwback one so that one was really cool though but i don't know i've been vibing with most of the music though and, I, and i'm not like the biggest music person um to be honest though but at least with the stuff that they did i was like oh shakira was one of them too that was a really good one too but yeah the fact that rihanna was able to pull off this halftime show was really interesting the fact that she's also pregnant. So, I don't know if this was like the first one ever. I mean, there might have been some other ones back in the past, but not maybe some that were like blatantly obvious like this. Like she looked, you know, well off into her pregnancy at this point, though. But yeah, I, I, credit where credit's due. And you know what? She gave out some pretty good tracks, at least in the ones that um she was singing. I was trying to pull up that list. That way I can see, you know, all of the different songs that she went over and whatnot, though. Cause uh she, she had a pretty good roster of songs, at least up in that one. I think I think one of them was like Umbrella. I'm pretty sure that was one. Um, hold on, I almost got this whole list right here. Yeah, here, here, here we go. Yeah, because she, she had a big old fat list right here. Yeah, because she had like Lift Me Up. This is what you came for. SOS means some. Okay, no, I ain't gonna go all up in there. Um. Yeah, Umbrella already mentioned that. Rude Boy, Word, Run This Town, Pour It Up. I mean, shoot, Stay, Diamonds, Needed Me. I mean, We Found Love. We, I mean, there, there was, she had and, and a whole lot more than that one. I don't know, but she she did a lot. And I was like, I, all right, I see you. I see you over there, though. So honestly, I, I didn't know, you know, how good this show was going to be with her, um, considering, you know, pregnant, whatnot, though, and whatnot, though. But I mean, she did a really good job. I mean, shoot, my whole place was like rocking over here, at least while we were watching it. Like, like it, it literally turned into like a whole concert. Um, it turned into a whole concert area when we were up here watching it. It, it was kind of crazy. My cousin busted out in the song. I don't know. I, I just like, lost it right there, though. But I don't know. That halftime show was pretty memorable, though. So, you know what? You know, props off to this. I can't remember. Usually the Pepsi company is the one that kind of um hosts this halftime show or the one that gets featured or whatnot though but the fact that apple music now is you know the main sponsor for it though i don't know i don't know if this is the first time they did it or not but that was just one thing i noticed so eh, okay whatever though but yeah so i think that's pretty much all i have to say in terms of the halftime the game was pretty fun until the very end 
commercials were whack, but the halftime show was great. So overall, I give it a solid uh, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. It was it was a pretty memorable night. But yeah, that's all I have to say. At least on the halftime stuff. Now let's go ahead and jump into the Marvel side of things because we did manage to get a brand new Marvel movie. That you know that being. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. This is going to be a review, but no spoilers whatsoever. Just my general impressions, what I kind of thought about it, though. Um, honestly, I thought it was a pretty good movie. It did, in some ways, kind of seem a little bit straightforward, but at times had a little bit of twist or whatnot, though. Because, I mean, if you've been watching any of the other previous um, Disney Plus shows or movies and stuff like that, we know we're kind of all dealing with the multiverse saga-related kind of thing. And we know it's all going to be centered around, you know, King the Conqueror or whatnot, though. So we knew that he, going into this movie, we knew that he was going to be the primary antagonist. Now, what he was going to be able to pull off here with them being sucked into the quantum realm that was going to be yet to be seen here in this movie though and surprisingly at least when i was in the movie watching it i didn't get up once to use the restroom maybe it's because i didn't actually manage to get a big large soda this time usually i always do but we were kind of running a little bit late and i was like you know what i ain't gonna get a drink this one i kind of want to sit there and watch this whole thing though and honestly it was really good i think and yeah, and this is technically the first movie that kicked off the start of phase five so i was like you know what that is you know the start of this it's actually fairly good i mean i don't think you can really mess up the ones that are like not brand new the ones that already have an established you know previous first movie or a couple of movies in this case though so i feel like you can't really mess those ones up as much as comparison to like eternals when it's like a brand new one like i, I still will say that it's probably the worst marvel movie i think i ever watched beat out some other rec uh beat out some other movies that i thought were pretty bad but now they're kind of pale in comparison though but honestly i really like all the characters you know scott the, the bond that he has between him and um his daughter now now that you know she's older thanks to the that blimp you know the skipping of the five years and whatnot though it's interesting how they brought her up as a character though and, and actually when you start looking through all the list of all the characters here recently it seems like you're almost having like a young group of Avengers right now. Um, I won't say with every single, you know, one in case you happen to watch it, didn't happen to watch a Disney Plus series yet or a certain movie like Thor or whatnot, though. I mean, there's there's some younger characters being brought in. Maybe it's more of like future setup in the future or whatnot, though. But I don't know. But those ending credits things, I know I can't talk about them, though. But if you watch the movie, though, oh, shoot. And that just gets me excited for uh, Loki season two whenever that one drops out here fairly soon, though. But honestly, there, there's some good stuff coming. I felt like this one was a solid one in my books. I don't know why the uh the tomato meter critic thing i don't know critics didn't really were a big fan of this movie which i was like what the heck the audience score was like what an 85 or something like that i don't know why the critics didn't like it this much though but i don't, I don't know that they, they, they kind of weird it sometimes they're kind of weird but yeah so i think that's pretty much it in terms of my thoughts on ant-man and the wasp quantumania if you have the time i highly recommend going out there to the theaters watching this one it, it, it has my seal of approval which i mean that might mean very little considering i'm a really big marvel fan or whatnot though but i clearly would have told you hey eternals wasn't it i would have told y'all to wait <laughs> i'll wait until that one dropped on disney plus if y'all were listening to um whatever i had to say back then though but honestly yeah really good one it'll probably come out to disney plus in a couple or a few months after this though but yeah pretty solid though i think next one on the list is um 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That's the next one that should come out roughly around in the month of May. So a little while to go for that one, though, and hopefully we get that new Disney Plus series. It should be one that's focused around Nick Fury with uh, Secret Invasion. I'm thinking maybe we'll get something dropped here fairly soon for that. I'm actually really forward, looking forward to that one, though, with it being sent around Nick Fury, though. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it in terms of most of my Marvel segment stuff right here. And that should honestly do it in terms of my pop culture segment stuff. So uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump straight up into that game of news. Alright, so first we got to talk about the Super Nintendo World opening over there in Hollywood Studios of Universal Hollywood Studios because it did open up literally like a couple or a few days ago and I, I saw some pictures of Shigeru Miyamoto, you know, the, the big dude that's associated with Mario. Um, he was there at the opening ceremony of the park and honestly, I really want to go to this park. I know I for sure want to be going in the middle of the dead winter when everybody and their mom is trying to rush up inside of that park, though. I honestly really wish the Universal one in Florida opened up first before the one over there in Hollywood. Me personally, because, I mean, I know a lot of the stuff that you can do over there in Florida. Like, you can do, you know, obviously you can do the Universal stuff. They have a really good Harry Potter park over there as well. Then you can jump over and do the Disney World parks with Animal Kingdom, Magic Kingdom, and all that stuff, along with a myriad of other things you can do over there in Orlando. So the Orlando one is the one I really wanted to see, but it just so happened to be, I think, COVID threw everything off. The Hollywood side in California was the first one to open up. I don't know. Maybe I'll go in the summertime or whatnot, though. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. If I did, I'll take pictures and vlogging probably do a whole bunch of stuff though but honestly it's great that we finally managed to get the part two open considering all of this time has passed um you know with covid delays and whatnot though so it looks really good really promising i've been kind of staying away in terms of looking and seeing what actual outside of what they did with that one nintendo direct where they actually showcase off what stuff is actually showcased off in the part outside of that i hadn't you know, try to look too much into it because I kind of want to be surprised whenever I do manage to go to one of these parks though. And at least at least in terms of the release of this, it's fairly close and residing pretty close with the movie, with the Super Mario movie that's going to be coming out here in the month of April. So I guess in some ways it kind of managed to work its way out, at least in terms of, you know, how marketable they could be in terms of saying, hey, do you like the movie? You want to come over here and spend your vacation over here with your theme park and whatnot, though? So honestly, yeah, some really good stuff. Man, it's really tempted to kind of look up and dive into, you know, the content that could be up in this part. I've got to hold myself back. I got to hold myself back. But yeah, so honestly, just a little bit of quick news. Glad it's open, and uh, hopefully I can go there fairly soon, though. But speaking of Mario and while we're on the topic of Mario, um, they actually managed to drop out some more advertisements, some more posters. They've been dropping posters left and right on their Twitter account um, for the Super Mario movie and whatnot, though. And honestly, a lot of them have been looking really cool. But the thing that really got me was the fact that whenever they showed that Super Mario plumbing commercial, it's only like 30 seconds long or whatnot, though. But the fact that um, the fact that they gave you a little commercial that literally was paying homage to like the old Super Mario Brothers um the old Super Mario Brothers show where they would like do that little rap, like dum dum dum. 
dun 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 like they, they would do like a rap i can't remember most of the words now it's been an eon since i watched that show but the fact that it was kind of a play on that i was like you know what this is actually really nice i really enjoyed that and the fact that also they said hey you can check out this website link and check it check that out as well as there's a phone number that you can call which is funny because when you call that phone number it's actually luigi picking up the phone he's like yeah uh, this is the plumbing service over here serving the brooklyn and the queens um and, you know, and a whole bunch of other stuff, though. It, it, it's pretty nice. It's pretty funny, though. But if you hadn't checked that out or hadn't called that number or checked out the website, you definitely got to do it because it's really nice. And I like how Illumination's been kind of doing in terms of this um, marketing and promotions um, for this movie, though. So I was like, you know what? I think this is going to be a really promising movie. I, everything in terms of like the movie, um, in terms of the music and stuff, from that first clip that we managed to get back in the Game Awards, um, back in December. I don't know. There's a lot of things I'm really looking forward to this movie, and I can't wait till it comes out here on you know in the month of April though. So we don't have to wait too much longer for this movie though. But the seeing things like this, oh man, this puts a smile on my face right there. But yeah, so that's pretty much all I had to say on the Mario movie related stuff, as well as, you know, talking about the theme parks and whatnot, though. So let's go ahead and jump into some more thicker news, because apparently there's been reports that in terms of E3 that should happen around June of this year, Xbox, PlayStation, as well as Nintendo, there's reports that none of the big three are actually going to be there for this. And I'm like, huh. Cause it, cause I mean, cause E3 was already struggling and whatnot, thanks to events of COVID and whatnot. Though more third parties and as well as like Sony and them, they kind of been figuring out. Well, we can basically get our news out there in a lot of different other ways via Nintendo with their Nintendo Directs, Sony with now when they made their state of plays, and then now Xbox has has done like their inside Xbox kind of related thing with with the developer director. No. They're calling it a developer direct now. And um, I guess with all those different avenues, Capcom has their own presentations now. Ubisoft has like a Ubisoft forward event and whatnot, though. I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways how most party, most companies are actually able to get their news out there to the fans. And I'm feeling like more and more E3 is going to be, um, you know, a little irrelevant here fairly soon it made sense back in the day when internet wasn't as big or whatnot though they didn't have these online big presence showcases and whatnot though digital presentations it made sense for the time back then though but if the big three do not show up it's not 100 percent confirmed but this is this is just based on reports well let's say if the big three don't show up this year next year will be the big tail the big tail of whether or not the state of E3 will stay because if next year in the year of 2024, if the big three are gone again, I don't think E3 is going to be able to recover unless they just make some drastic shifts or whatnot though. And one of the reasons why I think Sony pulled out was the fact that, Hey, we liked it better when it was just our people going over there, having their conferences with other media people and showcasing them off to the gangsters. Once they open it up to the public, I guess Sony didn't quite like that. And that's the reason why they pulled out way earlier. Like this is going to be like the third or fourth time missing E3 or whatnot though. So honestly, some really interesting news right there. If it stands as it is right now with, you know, with Sony or what the big three, not making an appearance at E3. 
I don't know, it might be a telltale sign that E3 might be going away. The only reason why I really like E3 was the fact that you knew for a solid week, everything was playing out. You knew that Microsoft was usually on Sunday. Sony will usually kind of be on um, Mondays. And then I think uh, Nintendo will be on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it was just kind of like demos, you know, interviews and whatnot, though. I did like it for the organization for all of that. But outside of that, oh my goodness, it will be a little bit unfortunate, um, the fact that we might potentially lose it. So that would be a little unfortunate right there. But yeah, so I think that's pretty much it in terms of E3 stuff. So we'll go ahead and roll over to the next thing. Now, these next couple of segments, it's just a little bit of quick news real quick. I just want to kind of bring this to y'all's attentions real quick, though. But yes, Nintendo Switch game vouchers are back or at least for us here in America, apparently over there in Europe and Japan, they always had this mess ever since it was originally announced back. Was it in the year like 2019 or something like that? It's been a couple of years. It's been a couple of years. But hey, at least now, I'm glad they actually announced this, how the game vouchers are coming back. Hopefully they'll keep them here for America until like the Switch phases out and we get like the next successor to the Switch or whatnot though. I really don't want these disappearing though. But it's really nice to considering how you could pay a hundred bucks, get two game vouchers, use them for any kind of game you want that's you know associated on that catalog. So ideally, it'll be a game that'll be sixty bucks for two of them, and ultimately you'll wind up saving yourself twenty dollars um, with those vouchers, or whatnot. Don't use those vouchers for a fifty dollar game. Otherwise, it's like you just basically pre-ordered a game and gave Nintendo the money um, right away. So you you don't necessarily want to do that though. But yeah, honestly, I, I picked up a couple knowing that I'm probably going to use one on Pikmin 4 and I'm going to use another one on something else. I'm not entirely sure what yet. I don't know. It, it just kind of all depends, though. But yeah, I just kind of want to bring it to y'all's attention, especially with one game, which we'll talk about later on in the show, where it could be really beneficial for you getting a game voucher for this, especially if you're going to pick up a digital copy of that game. But we'll hit that up a little bit later on, though. But yeah, that's all I got to say on that. Now, next up, the PlayStation Plus game catalog. You know what? I was going through and looking through this list, and honestly, you know, I usually don't report about these mostly on my on my podcast series because, you know, they're, they're okay games, or you might have one good one out of the bunch. But there's a couple of interesting ones up in this one where I, I definitely have to make sure I brought it um, to y'all's attentions, though. We'll start from the smaller ones and work it work our way up to the bigger ones, though. Um, in terms of y'all PlayStation Plus Premium members, which I am a premium member, though, um, it seems like we got some better games in terms of the um, in terms of the older retro games, in terms of the classics. Like you have Legend of Dragoon that was original on the PS One. You have Wild Arms Two, Harvest Moon, Back to Nature, and Destroy All Humans. I think between the Harvest Moon and the Legend of Dragoon, I think that has a lot of people really hyped. Me, necess- um, me myself, I hadn't messed with any of those. I heard about things with Harvest Moon, but and also the stuff with Legend of Dragoon, though. But hey, these are some better ones, and I know for the most part, it considering how much you have to pay extra on top of the the extra tier. I don't know, premium people have been kind of getting jiffed. I mean, yes, you got like the downloadable demos that allow you to pay three, maybe five hours. It kind of depends on what game. Um, For certain select games, you can play those games at least the first few hours of the game. But outside of that, in some of these classics, 
I feel like most of the value is with the extra tier though. But hey, for those that have premium tier, we had some pretty good ones. We had some pretty good ones this time. Um, in terms of the extra games in that tier, we had uh, the Forgotten City, uh, I Am Setsuna, uh, Lost Spear, uh, Oninaki, which that one's interesting because I know that one was on the Switch. And I was debating on whether or not to get that one. But now that it's on here, I don't have to worry about that no more. So at some point, I might dive and mess around with that one. Uh, we have Earth Defense Force, um, Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown. Tekken 7, which is interesting. We're getting Tekken 7 on the service right before Tekken 8 also drops out um, here on the PS5 here fairly soon. So I can actually mess around with the Tekken series, see if that's something for me, though. So I might have to check that one out. Uh, Borderlands 3. I mean, everybody in the moment likes talking about Borderlands. Uh, Scarlet Nexus, which honestly, I had my eyes out on that one. I remember watching the anime. The anime wasn't really that good. But in terms of the game, I heard some pretty good stuff about that. So I might try that one out. Um, then you have Outriders as well. Um, and you have Resident Evil 7, you know, right before Resident Evil Village. Pretty good stuff right there. Um, the Query. And then you had the big major hitter, the one that everybody's really talking about, that being Horizon Forbidden West. And that one right there, I was like, wait a minute now, because I felt like, didn't this one just recently come out? Yes, it did came out a whole year ago, February of 2022, Horizon Forbidden West dropped. So literally in a year's time, it's going to the extra tier service. I was looking at it back during Black Friday when normally the game will sell for $70. I think they discounted it down to $50. And I was like, hmm, should I get it? Just to sit it in my backlog? Because I have Horizon Zero Dawn. I managed to get that game for free back, what, during 2020, during the year of COVID, when they were doing like their days of play thing. And they were basically, and Sony was giving out free games. I managed to claim that sucker via their website, just form an account before I even had a PlayStation. So I knew I had Horizon Zero Dawn already. And I was like, maybe, but I don't know. I didn't know if I was going to get into the Horizon series or whatnot, though. But the fact that Forbidden West is heading to the extra tier, I was like, oh, I'll just go ahead and claim that, put it in my library. So if I do like Zero Dawn, I can immediately jump into Forbidden West without paying anything extra. Yes, technically, there is going to be some DLC launching out here fairly soon, I think within this first half of this year. So maybe that will help drum up some interest with some things. So that's the big thing. It's like, well, if they're willing to drop, a big first-party title, that being Forbidden West, a year after its launch, will we see this happening with other games? So, like, for God of War Ragnarok, when November comes around later on this year in 2023, would they drop that game out on the extra tier? That's where things kind of get interesting, because usually, at least for me, and I'm going through and playing through most of my stuff, there's some Sony games I might pick up, or PlayStation games in general, that I might pick up at launch, that being a Hogwarts Legacy, that's one I managed to pick up. But that's not necessarily first party, though. Um, I know I'm going to pick up Street Fighter Six whenever that drops out, though. But And then I think the big kicker, at least for a first party one, will be like Spider-Man 2 when that drops out. I know I'm getting that one on day one. But there's other Sony games where I'm like, I might be vaguely interested in that. But the fact that, you know what? If I'm willing to wait a whole entire year, because I do have a fairly decent backlog in terms of my games for the PlayStation though. If I'm willing to wait a year, I could basically have this game included in my server. So I was like, that's not that bad. That's not that bad. 
So it'll be interesting. We'll have to keep our eyes on it to see if more first-party games, you know, after a year after it's been launched, um, will we manage to get it on the extra tier service? So, so yeah, that is the PS4 version as well as the PS5 version. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on that. So Sony, you picked some good ones this month. You picked some good ones. All right, next, I want to talk about the fiscal reports that we managed to get for the Nintendo Switch because, you know, another quarter has, you know, came and went and uh, they got some more updated numbers for, you know, all those games that managed to sell over there on the Switch. I have to actually pull up my little list of things and see exactly, uh, you know, which ones managed to actually sell, though, um, for our million sellers, though, because th th there was some pretty good interesting amount of million sellers that were here in this list though i think i about almost got it pulled up all right so uh bayonetta 3 and that was one that just recently launched back in october that one managed to sell 1.04 million units uh xenoblade chronicles 3 is now sitting at 1.81 million i think i want to say that's fairly good it's fairly fast but it hasn't passed that number yet for like xenoblade chronicles 2 we got to keep an eye on that uh, Mario Strikers Battle League, it's at 2.47. Uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land at 6.12, still sitting pretty good. Uh, Switch Sports, uh, 8.61. Mario Party Superstars at 9.38, getting close to that 10 million marker. Uh, Splatoon 3 is already sitting at 10.13 million copies sold. Now, that right there is fairly impressive because I felt like it did that in a fraction of the time then compared to like Splatoon 2 where it did that. It took quite a while for it to kind of get up to that point, but Splatoon 3 kind of hit that out the park real fast. Um, we got Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury at 10.83. Luigi's Mansion 3 at 12.44. Okay, I was making sure I didn't get to the top 10 yet. Um... Then you have Pokemon Legends Arceus over there at 14.63 million units. I'm like, okay. Uh, U Deluxe, Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe sitting at 14.75. And then you start getting within the top 10 right here where... Yeah, the top 10, our newest top 10, though. Um, yeah, Poke somehow these Let's Go games, I don't know how. They're still up there. At 15.07, I don't know, maybe it's them Jim Warners or something like that. Uh, we got Ring Fit at number nine at 15.22. You have Super Mario Party at 18.79. Scarlet and Violet is now up to 20.61. Remember how in the first three days it managed to sell 10 million copies? Within, after that, after those um first few days to the very end of the year because you know this report roughly ends right at the tail end of december it managed to sell another 10 million copies so now it's sitting a little over 20 like oh shoot that is crazy um uh, super mario odyssey is at 25.12 um pokemon sword and shield is at 25.68 considering how you know scarlet and violet that was like literally like what a month and a half's time it, it should pass um uh, it should pass sword and shield here fairly soon breath of the mile at a nice even 29 million and then you get into the top three uh super smash Bros. ultimate at 30.44 animal crossing new horizons at 41.59 and the king that will never be stopped you got mario kart 8 deluxe sitting at a toasty 52 million that is 
absolutely wild right now. I'm like, oh, shoot. But yeah, so that's really nice right there. And then also the Switch itself, in terms of how many units it has sold, the Switch console is sitting at right now 122.55 million units, which makes it the third highest overall selling console ever. The only two that are above it is the Nintendo DS, as well as the PS2, when you're roughly cracking close to that 150 million mark. So I think the Switch could possibly manage to catch it, um it'll be the matter of fact of how much longer you know the switch will be on the market and then also if the successor comes out maybe as soon as next year how many more copies of the switch they might manage to sell um while also the successor is there for maybe like what that next year or so or whatnot though kind of like how 3ds's were still somewhat selling a little bit when we also managed to have the switch out or whatnot though i think it's possible i think it's very well possible they definitely got to make sure they sell their 20 million this year which would then roughly put them, um, that'll roughly put them at 142-ish. And then if you give it one more fiscal year after that, even if it sells maybe 10-ish or so million, um, it, it will be possible. It, it's definitely in the run and possibly be the greatest selling system of all time. But we'll just have to wait and see, you know, how it can do it. I think, you know, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom can definitely push it. But I'm kind of concerned about that second half of the year. We don't really know too much, but that will kind of go into my next topics here uh, here fairly soon that I'll be talking about it, though. So, yeah, that's basically it, though. And uh, if you're watching the YouTube version of this podcast, yeah, I guess I technically already talked about it. Uh, what's going on with Violet selling that quick, though? I did have a slide for or whatnot, though. But, yeah, so honestly, some really good numbers right here, though, and uh we're getting close to the end of their fiscal year, uh, you know, March 31st. It's, getting, it's coming up here fairly soon, and we'll kind of get an overall feeling of what Nintendo can basically be forecasting within this next and what could be almost one of their last-ish fiscal years. So I have a high chance, or I'm really feeling it, that whatever comes after the Switch, it's going to come out in 2024. I'm just kind of determining whether or not it's probably going to be in the springtime or it's going to be closer in the holiday time. I don't know exactly which one of the two it would necessarily be, but I feel like it's going to be one or the other. At least that's just my vibe, at least from what I'm feeling right now, though. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it in terms of most of the fiscal reports I had to report right there. All right. So we did manage to get a Nintendo Direct within the past week. It's been, you know, it, it, it's been a little bit crazy, I will say. It's It's been absolutely crazy. Or I guess not necessarily last week, but, the, you know, the week before or whatnot, though. But yeah, so we had a lot of good announcements that were showcased off in this Nintendo Direct. I managed to do a reaction over there on my channel, though. So you can see my full-blown reaction. I also managed to clip a, a few of the game announcements and whatnot, though. If you just want to see some of the big highlights, though. But, um, and then also managed to do a discussion on it, though. So there's a lot of stuff <laughs> in terms of this Nintendo Direct there on my channel. If you want to see, you know, some of my fuller thoughts on it, though. But just to kind of, you know, get some you know, just some rough thoughts out there, though. I, I would say that this Nintendo Direct was absolutely phenomenal. The fact that they they came out here and they announced that Game Boy was coming to the basic tier, and then they announced that the GBA is coming to the expansion pass. I've been calling that for the longest time on my podcast. Whenever that day comes, that's how they're going to split it up. And luckily, we got it. And you know what? They got some interesting games coming out. I think I'm leaning more so on the sides of the GBA side, but the Game Boy itself is pretty interesting because I have a feeling that um, 
at least with that one, they, they, they managed to give us the six golden coins, which is some good ones, though. But um, I have a feeling with Pokemon Day coming up, I have a feeling they're going to give us red, blue, yellow, gold, silver, crystal, maybe dropping on that Game Boy servers, and maybe they'll give us um, Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald on the GBA side. They could do Fire, Red, and Leaf Green, but if they're giving us the original red, blue, yellow, I feel like they might lean off of that a little more so. But yeah, I feel like we're going to get something tied to those um, services, whether those are going to be Shadow Drop or whether or not they will actually... Um, announce them but it will come at a later date i don't know i feel like something is going to happen at that pokemon direct right there so yeah so we have that to look forward to as well um metroid prime that was a big highlight for me the fact that they not only revealed it because everybody and their mama knew you know metroid prime 4 is in a crazy status right now though but the fact they dropped out metroid prime and not only did they reveal it and showed it they shadow dropped that mess i was like oh shoot nintendo like I certainly wasn't expecting that, but I think that's good on the surface level. But when uh, when you go a little bit below that surface level, I think they're sending us some messages where, yes, Metro Prime 4 is still, you know, in good hands right now. But the fact that, because we thought for the longest time, the Metro Prime Trilogy or Metro Prime Remaster, we knew that they weren't going to necessarily drop these until... Metro Prime 4 is very close to completion. And whenever they do show that off, it's gonna have the it's gonna have a solid release date. They're gonna have the marketing stuff playing for it. So whenever, you know, whenever they show it off, we know exactly when this game is gonna come out. And it's gonna be a six-month turnaround or probably less. I don't even think it's gonna be even within like the six to a year time frame. I don't even think they're gonna even hit it off like that. So honestly, that's some really nice stuff right there. I think also with them releasing Metroid Prime Remaster, it allows them to gauge their audience, see, you know, exactly, you know, let people know what Metroid Prime is, the way how it plays and stylized and whatnot, though. They can also get a gauge off of, you know, how many sales are there, how much is going to be potentially there for the market in terms of the Metroid Prime series and whatnot, though. It's also like a test, but also a resurgence, but also just bringing awareness to everybody that's, that could possibly like and play Metro Prime 4. And, you know, the Metro Prime remaster looks really great. If I do say so myself, I am planning on doing a streaming series over it on my Twitch. And then any of my vlogs will go over there to my extras channel, though. So you can kind of give it a look on that Um, whenever. Hopefully, I should be able to do it Monday night, tomorrow night. I, I don't know. There, there's been some crazy stuff happening within the past few weeks or whatnot, though. I haven't been able to kind of get back to my streaming regimen on the on the Twitch side of things and uploading stuff on the extra channel, though. But hopefully that would you know change here fairly soon, though. So I'm hoping to kick that off with Metroid Prime Remaster, though, uh, tomorrow night, though. But honestly, really good stuff with Metroid Prime. Now, the, the big kicker is... Well, you know, we had some other interesting announcements along the way. We had Pikmin 4 that started off the presentation. That was really nice. Um, they they showed Deca Police, which it seems like level five is back. Like they, they announced that as well as a new uh, Professor Layton series as well. And I was like, holy shoot. And it was like something else though. And then they they brought that bot in Kaitos. And I was like, what the heck? And I was like, I guess that was the rumor thing that Bandai was working on. And then they also had um, another thing with, oh shoot, now it's slipping my mind. Dang it, I was on I was on a roll for a moment. I was on a roll. I know they they have a new um Katamari game. Um they got that dropping out though. Oh, they showed a sea of stars and showed that that 
that was getting a demo. You can try that demo out right now. Then they gave us Octopath Traveler 2. We know that release date is literally coming out this Friday. I'm really looking forward to that game, though. But you're actually able to play a demo right now, which carries your save progression over into the main game and whatnot, though. So I'll start that demo up some point most likely this week or whatnot though and then transition that into my full game whenever i pick that one up though but yeah there's a lot of shadow drops a lot of demos and a lot of things that are coming out within this presentation so a lot of good stuff and if you want to hear more of my thoughts you know you can you can check out some other stuff on my channel though but the big kicker was legend of zelda tears of the kingdom people were thinking that we were going to get a huge blowout on this thing like some people were thinking we're going to get like seven, eight, maybe 10 minutes worth on this thing, though. But I wasn't necessarily thinking that, considering how Nintendo kind of likes to be fairly secretive and whatnot, though. And some people were looking back at this presentation and thinking that, you know what, this was kind of disappointing. We didn't really get that much information out of it. But me looking at it, I'm like, bro, they literally got Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, if you remember back in 2017, they had like 150-something attach rate to the... There were people buying Breath of the Wild and not even having like the hardware to run it off of like with the Switch. It was some crazy times back then though. But the fact that that, series, that game managed to sell over 20 million, I'm thinking they're going to try to keep their cards close to their chest because they know that this game is going to sell. They don't really have to show us that much. They showed us like what, three or four or something like trailers so far. And based upon those trailers that we gotten, there's some little snippets and stuff like that. For y'all Zelda lore fanatics out there that got them books that can translate some hieroglyphics they have a whole trailer that was like the first 20 25 seconds or something like that was purely dedicated to that though so if you're diehard fans y'all gonna analyze the crap out of these things to get it though but at least from what they showed us in this trailer we could see some new enemies and stuff like that um we saw more elite you know going um traversing going towards the sky but then they showed us some glimpses of some underground segments as well so we can kind of tell that there yes there is going to be some underground areas um within um within the tears of the kingdom because i was wondering why would they change this and make it feel different from the original breath of the wild in comparison to tears of the kingdom and when i was looking at that trailer i could see that there were some topography changes on the surface level and i was like okay that would change up how the the basic map works then you have your sky elements and what looks like there'd be some underground elements i don't necessarily know if there's going to be any if there's going to be any, you know, classic dungeons coming back and the avenue of like, you know, dungeons you've seen in like Skyward Sword, Twilight Princess, etc. I don't necessarily know that, but they, you know, the door is open for it. Considering if there's some underground areas you can explore, that would naturally make sense for Link to kind of go through and explore some dungeons and whatnot, though. But yeah, so some really interesting stuff. And then also at the very end of the presentation, they announced, yes, there's going to be an amiibo coming out. There's also going to be a... um well, Amiibo coming out as well as a limited edition. Now, this is where things get a little bit crazy. The Amiibo, I was fully expecting it, but the limited edition is $130. I was like, I'm looking over here on Nintendo. I was like, the actual hey, I was like, what in the world is going on? I'm used to Nintendo limited editions being like a hundred bucks at the highest or something like that. I think what was it the master edition the one that had like the, the the master sword engraved into it for that one breath of the wild master edition one okay that one was a little more than 100 but that makes sense you had like a whole figurine up inside of it though but considering the contest you get up in this thing which i can remember and pull up a picture real quick though um you literally get the game the box that the whole stuff comes out of the game itself the steel book 
a pin set, an art book, as well as um at first I thought it was a regular poster, but I had to look at the fine print and it's actually a steel poster. I was like, what the heck? I was like, okay. But shoot, if y'all want this, <laughs> good luck. Cause it's literally sold out everywhere right now. It already dropped on most of the retailers. Um, I can't remember if it actually dropped out on Amazon. Amazon was the last one, but I know it went up on Target. It sold out. It went up on Best Buy first. It sold out from there. Luckily, I was in, you know, I was actually at work on my break. I literally had to sit down, open up my phone. I swiped down on my notifications and I literally saw Wario um, notification pop up saying, hey, the Tears of the Kingdom limited edition is up for pre-order right now at GameStop. I'm not really a big fan of ordering stuff from GameStop, but I know when you're ordering something Legend of Zelda related and it's limited edition, that just has high value. People in there, everybody in their mama always likes buying this mess up. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna have to jump on this mess though. I bought it literally in five minutes. That mess sold out. I was like, what the heck, Nintendo? Y'all need to make some more of these things though. But I'm like, holy shoot. I know there's probably gonna be more that happen to drop on the actual release date. That's usually how Best Buy treats it. So you happen to miss out, midnight central standard time. Keep your eyes open on the day of release. Yes, you might not necessarily be able to play the game on launch unless you just bought a standard copy as well as the limited edition if you manage to get it. Um, but that might be your next best bet if you happen to really want to get your hands on this, but you happen to miss out on all of your other previous windows. So just kind of keep your mind on that though. But we're not done with this Nintendo Direct yet because actually in the lead up to the Direct, there was like a spot going up on the eShop that said that Tears of the Kingdom is going to cost $70. And at first, I was taking them with a grain of salt. You know, there's other games out there that do, like, digital deluxes for their games. So, you know, like, I think even Monster Hunter Rise did that, where it's, like, 10 extra bucks. You get a little extra little goodies and whatnot in the game. Basically raises the value of the game from 60 to 70 I was being hopeful at first. That's what I was thinking. But, you know, they, they took it down. But then all these retailers started taking down their pre-order listings. So I was like, uh-oh. And then... The direct has, you know, came and went. And then after the fact, pre-orders gone back up on the eShop, as well as like Best Buy, Target, Walmart, all that stuff. All of them starting to list the game as $70. This is going to be our first Nintendo IP, first party IP. That's going to be 70 whole dollars. And it's interesting because a lot of people are wondering, wait, why in the world are we pricing a game like this at $70 near the very end of the life cycle for the Nintendo Switch. And I was like, you know what? There's really not like a really good reason except for the fact that um, I guess this game is technically 18 gigs, which is like by far like one of the biggest um, um, first party games. It's going to be bigger than their traditional 16 gigabyte cartridges. So unless they're making a custom one or whatnot, they have to jump to the 32 gigabyte. That's literally the only reason why I could see this game being $70. That is one of the reasons, but the other reason it could possibly be is whatever system we get after the Switch, they're probably looking at Sony and Xbox and them selling $70 copies. And it's like, you know what? Our first party IPs are worth more than a Last of Us or maybe a Horizon or a God of War or something like that or a Halo or something like that. They're looking at that as like, hmm. And you know what? Legend of Zelda game is the one to test it out for because everybody and mama, $10 more, they're still going to go out there and buy it. 
So, so you know what? Nintendo's also using this as like a testing ground as well, because you couldn't do this for a game like Pikmin 4 and say it's $70. That's probably going to actually hurt you um, dropping that game for that price, though. But for your big major IPs such as Legend Zelda, Legend Zelda or like your Mario Odyssey or what could be a Mario Kart or what could also be a Smash Brothers, those games are the ones to test it out for. And those are the ones that could actually get away with it. So I'm I'm fully expecting now, whatever system comes after the Switch, we're going to more than likely have $70 um, Nintendo games at that point. It's just only a matter of time, though. But it's interesting how they're starting it off and testing it at the very end of the Switch's life cycle, though. So, yeah, honestly, some really interesting things. I don't know. It doesn't kind of sit well with me. I knew it was going to be coming, but I didn't think it was going to be coming this soon. But the fact that I'm picking up the, the limited edition of this, I mean, I knew I was going to be paying more than $70 for this game anyway, um, getting all that extra physical goodies and whatnot, though. But it's just something to kind of all keep in mind, though. So, yeah, so interesting stuff. We'll have to see how this all plays out, though. But, uh, wait, what the heck? All right, so we did manage to get some breaking news that literally this stuff has broke out. I want to say maybe a couple or a few hours before I was about to get ready to air this podcast because yes, the the there was an art book that managed to leak out for Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now I'm just warning y'all. I'm not going to say the contents of you know what's actually in the book because I haven't necessarily managed to look up inside of the book itself though. I mean, there's spoilers going around left and right. People making videos on it and whatnot though. I've been dodging some bullets and whatnot though, but. To give y'all an idea of it, but not actually spoiling y'all, just so you have some context on this, though. So you, you can kind of, you know, navigate and move around this thing or whatnot, though. But the art book that leaked was apparently an art book that's from the limited edition of the Tears of the Kingdom thing that we got revealed at the, the very tail end of the Nintendo Direct, though. So usually within those art books, at least based upon, you know, past histories, like what they did with the art book for... Um, Fire and Engage and some of the other limited editions that I managed to get, you're going to probably get some key characters in there. You, like, you know, you're going to have like Links and Zelda picks or whatnot, though. You might have some new characters who are probably going to be showcased off in that book, but nothing like obviously going to tell us about how the story is going to play out. So I don't think necessarily story stuff is out there, though. But if there are some interesting new characters in this thing, or maybe some way of how the combat works within the game, the way how the combat works as well as new characters. It's probably the stuff that's kind of floating out right now. So now you have some context of what's going around. So if you have to, if you happen to be on Twitter or something like that, you can go ahead and put your blocking mutant words or anything like that on there. Just be careful. Because the fact that this leaked out, we're mid-February. This game comes out early May. We literally have almost just about three months to go for this thing, though. I expect some leaks or something like that to happen with Nintendo games a week or two before the game comes out. But I didn't expect nothing like this to drop out like three whole months early. Like, oh, shoot, they've been really secretive about this game the whole entire time. But then the fact that, you know, something has managed to slip up like this and, you know, that just happened to be what happened in this. I was like... It is really unfortunate. It, it is super unfortunate, though. Like, to get this close and then have somebody probably taking a picture off of, like, wherever they're making, you know, manufacturing these art books or whatnot, though, to put in those limited editions. Someone just probably just happened to have a phone and take a picture of it. And it, it's just out there. It's just out there now. So I'm like, oh, well. 
But oh shoot, it, it is super unfortunate though. But hey, I just want to bring awareness to y'all so y'all can go ahead and you do what you got to do. So that way uh, you, you don't get spoiled on this mess though. Oh my goodness. All right. But yeah, so that's basically it in terms of most of Nintendo Direct. The, the updated stuff on, you know, Tears of Kingdom, that being $70 and whatnot, though, as well as the heads-up spoilery thing of the stuff that's happening for uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, though. So that's basically going to do it in terms of all of my um, gaming news stuff that I had um, to share for y'all today. So uh, now uh, let's go ahead and jump over into that next segment, that being uh, what you've been playing. All right, so here lately, I've been playing a lot of Splatoon 3, to be honest, which, I don't know, I guess with some of the stuff that we've been kind of getting within the, if you happen to be following the Splatoon 3 Twitter account that showcases off what new specials and stuff like that be coming to the games, new weapons, loadout, gear setups, and all of that stuff, I don't know, that's just been getting me more into the Splatoon mood, so, and I also need to grind out and get that catalog up to level 100, so I did manage to do that. And at least in terms of some of the stuff they've been showcasing off so far, they did manage to showcase off the Kraken is coming back. So I was like, what the heck? That thing from Splatoon 1, that thing was busted. But they did manage to nerf it. Like, if you're shooting at it, it slows you down with it. So you had to do a charge up for it so you can sprint forward and knock out an enemy. So they did manage to balance it a little bit more. We'll, we'll see how that special plays out, though, because that thing's like a behemoth. It's a monster. Um, and also we got a, a brand brand new special that got showcased off as well. It's like a, you shoot out some projectiles that land on the ground. It's literally like a bunch of ink mines, really. And it's like, if the enemy shoots at them, they can go off or after a certain period of time, they'll just blow up. So I'm kind of curious, actually might help you help a lot of people out with reclaiming middle and like your certain rank modes, whether it's your tower control, your rainmaker, splat zone, clan blitz, whatever though. I feel like it definitely will have a strong presence within the competitive community and whatnot, though. And obviously, we know when we're getting a bunch of weapons. It's interesting how we didn't get this in the trailer itself, but it was through like a whole bunch of Twitter drops. So honestly, that was some really good stuff that we managed to get right there. But that was, you know, one major game I've been recently playing. The other one, which is going to be a whole segment in itself, that being a Hogwarts Legacy. I did manage to do a launch day stream for this game. Whenever it first managed to drop, we about had it for a little over a week. And honestly, I would say that this game is absolutely great. It's incredible. Phenomenal. I never thought that, uh, I think what, what the team behind this, I think it's Avalanche. Um, but the team that's behind this one, I'm like, oh, shoot, they're on to something right here. I have to keep my eye out on whatever studio, whatever this studio works on in the future. I'm just going to keep my eye out on it, though, because at first I was expecting like how I mentioned um, how I mentioned, I think before, maybe it was to my friends or whatnot, though. At first, I was looking at Hogwarts Legacy when they're showcasing off in them state of plays and whatnot, though. I thought I was like, oh, it's just going to be an OK, you know, licensed game. I know there was Harry Potter games back in the past or whatnot, though, and they weren't necessarily really good or whatnot, though. But the more and more they showcased that off in, like, state of plays and whatnot, I was like, I think they're on to something. Incorporating all the stuff in the Harry Potter universe, that being uh, the Harry Potter movies or books, as well as, like, the most recent um, movies with, like, Fantastic Beasts. They're, like, incorporating all of into this game, though. The level of detail that's up in this game as you're going through and exploring through Hogwarts, like, that Hogwarts itself is, like, really big. You can kind of lose yourself up in there, though. It's been kind of nice going through and 
and you know adventuring around the grounds of hogwarts and visiting certain locales and those and i was like oh wait that was from the movie and this was from the movie as well i was like what the heck and, and it has such a magical you know atmosphere um the fact that you know the statues will talk to you you know the paintings in the walls will look around with you and whatnot though I'm like, what the heck? Now, at first, when I was streaming that launch day stream, I was like, hmm, I was only, I was about to question the combat. Like, and then even my good pal Sonic, you whenever he was watching, he's like, oh, he's like, you, you better run some more spells than this. No, I was just barely scratching the surface because, uh, as you do more side quests, as you do like teacher assignments, because you're going into this game as like a fifth year student and trying to catch up to your other peers and whatnot though um they, they give you assignments and stuff and by you knocking out those assignments you learn more spells you learn more spells as you do the main story itself the game itself is supposedly roughly around 30 hours but if you're like a completionist or trying to do everything with the side quests and whatnot you can easily go over 60 80 out i would say probably 80 maybe 100 hours up in this game or whatnot though i mean you can lose yourself in this game shoot i think earlier today i was playing this game i was doing a side quest for like an hour or two or something like that before even coming back around and doing some stuff that was even in the main storyline itself though so honestly this game has been absolutely incredible you can have like your own room like you know you can brew potions grow magical plants capture um you know um special beasts and whatnot though the beasts that you've been kind of seeing in uh in the fantastic beast movies if you happen to be somewhat familiar to that the, the the level of detail on the castle itself even the grounds beyond hogwarts um even going to like certain other little towns and whatnot though there's always something for you to do and this is like this is a really big open world game i'm like i've just been loving every single second of it i think i'm roughly 13 ish hours getting close to that 15 hour marker in this game so i was like you know what this, this is like really nice I, i've been really enjoying this game um for most of my adventures though so i was like i was like dang i really wasn't expecting the game to really blow up. and i think this game is gonna blow up the fact that you know this game is launching on the ps5 xbox series x and steam at first a little later on a few months later we're getting the ps4 xbox one versions and then roughly around summerish time i think around june we're getting the versions that's gonna drop for on the nintendo switch this thing is going to sell some game busters. I'll say this one will probably be the one to give um, Elden Ring a run for its money, though. I don't think we have any official sale figures yet, but I don't know. Maybe at some point Warner Brothers will come out and say, you know, what are their sales um, for the series, though, and, uh, you know, how much they've been selling, though. But I think they managed to do um, a really good job at crafting this game, though. Between all the spells you managed to do, the exploration, the side quests, the main story quests and whatnot, though, the presentation. Um, some people have been having some troubles with the way how the game has been running. I think it's been mostly on the PC side. At least for me, I know it's like a little bit of hiccups, maybe a little bit of frame drops or whatnot, though. But I mean, honestly, there's been nothing really, you know, been great game breaking, at least for me, though. And some people have been actually been drawn into this game, considering, you know, it's mass appeal and whatnot though it really broke records over there on twitch like selling over like a million not selling over a million um literally having over like a million i think it was over a million uh concurrent watchers over there on twitch or something like that something crazy like that and i was like dang and then also having like a ton of concurrent players over there on steam on the pc side as well 
Um, this game is breaking records in a lot of different ways, though. So honestly, some really nice stuff. Now, I know, obviously, there's some controversy around the game with, with the creator and whatnot, though. But at least my viewpoint on all of it is, even though you might have one spoiled apple on the tree or whatnot, though, I don't necessarily inherently believe that the whole tree itself is bad just because of one rotten apple. There's been a lot of, you know, game developers and stuff like that. People that don't necessarily agree with J.K. Rollins, you know, beliefs and whatnot, though. But I'm still trying to be supportive of those people because they did a really good job within this game. Obviously, you know, it's up to everybody. It's up to everybody to make their own judgment call on this, though. But... It, you know, if you're just a fan of the series or whatnot, though, you, you're really going to like it. Even if you're a casual fan looking outside in, I still think there's a lot of stuff up in this game that you're going to see in other games. Like, like you have, like, not necessarily skill tree, but you, you have, like, a personal growth system where it allows you to unlock more systems, unlock more arts, where you can able to hold more spells and whatnot, though. I mean, th there's a lot of different things in this game. That you see in a combination of like a like a lot of different games, just all combined into one. And sometimes it almost feels overwhelming with the amount of stuff that you could do in Hogwarts Legacy, though. But okay, I think I about said most of what I want to say up in here, at least in terms of like my opening impressions, reviewish, impression reviewish, if you want to kind of call it something like that. Eh, well, well, whatever. But yeah, so honestly, Hogwarts Legacy is a really good game. I highly recommend it, though. But I've been having a blast with this thing. I've been having a blast. Well, that's pretty much it in terms of my what you, uh, in terms of my uh, what I've been playing segment. So I'll go ahead and jump over to my last segment. That being uh, so about that show. All right, so outside of me watching Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, as well as like, you know, the Super Bowl and stuff like that, stuff I mentioned earlier in the pop culture segment, um, I think lately I've just been watching a decent amount of anime. I actually managed to start back up Made in Abyss. I watched the, the third movie because the third movie, it you had to watch that before, you know, in terms of season one, you either watch season one or movies one and two. You have to watch movie three because it's canon. And then it leads you into season two. So I watched that movie and then I started watching uh, season two for Made in Abyss. That's what I've been watching now. Um, been watching a lot of different other seasonal anime. I think the one that captured my heart this season was um, it was an anime that's called um, The Angel Next Door Spoils Me Rotten. I literally can't go the whole episode watching it without smiling during good chunks. And there's been some episodes I almost smiled the whole entire time. I don't know. It's been a pure joy and delight going through and watching that. I did manage to finish up a Disney Plus series with um, the National Treasure. Um, is it Edge of History or whatnot, though? That Disney Plus series over National Treasure. That was really good. I've been really, I really enjoyed that series from start to finish. I finished that one up a couple of weeks ago. So that one's been pretty nice. Oh, and uh, lately I've been watching uh, the new Proud Family Season 2, the louder and prouder one. And I, I've been really enjoying that one. I think I'm about halfway through the series on that one. I feel like Season 2 is better than Season 1, to be honest, though. I don't know, but they, they, they got some really good episodes in there. A lot of good life lessons and stuff to kind of take away. I don't know. That, that's kind of what I miss with certain older shows or ones that kind of pull us roots from the older ones is uh, the fact that you can watch an episode and you can pull a lesson from it at the very end of the day. Some other shows nowadays, when you watch them, it's like, 
you might watch it for purely entertainment though but you might not get a lesson out of it though but at least with you know those episodes from the proud family it's very clear of you know what you're supposed to do what you're not supposed to do all that kind of good stuff and whatnot though so yeah so this is honestly some of the stuff i've been kind of currently been going through and watching lately have been too much other things though i still feel like there's a couple of movies over there on disney plus i kind of need to sit down and watch but I think that's pretty much it in terms of most stuff I've been watching. Now, now, as I say always, when I get down to the pop culture segment thing, if you happen to leave a comment on the YouTube side of, of the version of this podcast over, uh, you know, anything that you've been watching lately that you would actually recommend, first comment to drop it up in there, uh, I'll, you know, I'll give it a watch. If it happens to be something on Netflix, Disney Plus, or something like that that I have access to watch in Crunchy or whatnot, though, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll give you a little review or something like that the next episode, though. So, yeah, it's up there for whoever wants to basically uh, bring that up first, though. But that's pretty much it in terms of that segment. And I believe that's basically all I have to talk about within my Zarkest episode 51. This one was a little bit, you know, more of a meteor one, at least this time around, though. There's just a lot of stuff that happened. And obviously with the Super Bowl happening last weekend, I had to push off the podcast an additional week. So it's been like a three-week gap or whatnot, though. But now we should roll back over to our traditional bi-weekly uh, Sunday night podcast um, series with this, though. But yeah. A lot of good stuff that happened this week, though. And I feel like if I'm looking at the calendar right, um, by the time I get to my next podcast, we'll Ben had the, the Pokemon Presents presentation. So I know a good chunk of that will probably have something enlisted in that. If I were to get some, you know, pr predictions in terms of what I might expect for that, I still feel like we're going to get the red, blue, yellow, gold, silver, crystal, ruby, sapphire, emerald. I feel like that's a good chunk. I've been hearing some rumblings. There might be a new Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game. Don't know if it's a remake or a brand new one. I'm leaning closer to the side that it might be brand new. I feel like that's going to happen. We're going to get some DLC for um, Scarlet and Violet dropping. Literally, if you look in the northeast corner of the map, there's literally a whole area up there that has not been easily accessible for us they be able to go through and explore. It might include some new Pokemon and stuff like that. They've been kind of hitting at it in some of the books that you'd be reading out of the library and stuff like that. I feel like that's going to happen as well. I think that's all I can possibly think of right now, even though I love to have a Pokemon Ranger game, or I would love to have that Detective Pikachu game, which went missing for how long now? We still have no idea what's going on on that front. Maybe they're trying to tie it in with the... Uh, with the Detective Pikachu movie, the second one that's supposed to be coming out here, hopefully fairly soon or whatnot, though. I don't know. But, yeah, so those are just some last-second predictions, and I, I guess I'll see if I'm right um, by the next episode. I don't know. For all I know, we might not get any of that stuff. I don't know. But I still feel like we should get at least a good chunk of it, at least with the mainline game with the DLC. I think that's almost a shoe and no. But, yeah, so that's pretty much going to do it in terms of my Zarcast episode 51. So, yeah, if you really like this podcast, make sure to go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button and that bell. Stay up to date on all things video game related as well as pop culture stuff in terms of these podcast episodes um, whenever I'm here live and sharing my show out. If you happen to be listening to my podcast, whether it be on Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, even iHeartRadio, etc. though, um, even on your Alexa devices. You can actually listen to it off of there, though. Uh, make sure to go ahead and give it a like. 
Um, go ahead and share this podcast around. You know, I'm just one guy having to be talking about a bunch of gaming news, pop culture segment stuff, and a bunch of other stuff in between. Though, you know, I'm just here every bi-weekly, just talking about what's kind of going on in the in the gaming world and pop culture world for the most part. Though, but yeah, that's gonna do it in terms of this episode 51. Though, so uh, remember, y'all, until we're a video on next, and until my Zarkest episode 52. I'll see y'all later.